Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. My name is Lynn Wilder, and our co-host, Joel Grote, has left us after nearly four years, but we're joined by my husband, Michael, from now on. I'm excited to introduce him to you. Michael and I have been married since 1974. We know each other quite well. This could be a little scary. And we have four children, uh, four in-law children, and seven grandkids. A few years ago, our lives were upturned. Many of you know our story, but you're going to hear more of it today. And in 2011, Mike and I started a, a Christian ministry called Ex-Mormon Christians United for Jesus. Our website is unveilingmormonism.com. Michael, welcome. It's good to be here. Hey, I just want everybody to know that Joel did not die. He just went on to other areas. So he's still <laughs> with us. He's just not here physically with us. So so anyway, uh, Joel is a great guy. He's helped Lynn so much over the years. And now I get to be directly online. And if Lynn makes a mistake, I get to correct her. You know, isn't this wonderful? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. oh, oh, no. That's my... High priest hangover, I think, if, if I recall from the LDS Church. But uh, anyway, uh, no, it's uh, this is not my expertise. I'm I'm more of a business person and finance, and so forth. And uh, so, if I say something really stupid and dumb, it's because I don't know what I'm talking about. So, but if we get into a accounting and finance, I I can do quite well there or economics. Um, but um, but anyway, this is not that area. So anyway. Um, well, Mike, why don't you tell the folks um, what kind of religious background you had growing up? Well, I was raised Baptist. Uh, it was kind of like independent Baptist. I don't recall being associated with the Southern Baptist or anything. So I pretty much, it, the church that we attended was called Calvary Baptist Church. And uh, uh, we we went there and it's kind of like a, a hellfire and damnation type of sermons a lot of times. Uh, you know, I was worried uh, about if I left the church and got run over by a bus that uh, if I wasn't really saved, I'd be doomed to hell. So it was just uh, kind of um, a strange, strange thing at, um, that I knew Jesus and I loved the Bible and I felt comfortable, but I... You know, I was thinking that I have to actually join a church and have my names on a roll to be saved. And that was an error of my logic. But my dad would always say when I was wondering about, you know, am I truly saved? And and my dad said, well, if you believe in Jesus, you're saved. And, and you know, that's that's what I thought uh, at that point. But the, the Baptist always, the preacher would always say, well, you got to come forward and you got to be on the rolls and you got to get baptized in this church. Or if you get run over by a bus, it's all over, you know. So uh, I, I never did do that. And so I'm always on the edge. And I remember my, I asked my dad, I says, what if I die? You know, I, I, I haven't been baptized yet. And he says, uh, because of the preachers, I had to be baptized. And my dad in his unique way would say, oh, he doesn't know that. H double L's, <laughs> what he's talking yeah. about. <laughs> so, but that was my dad. Uh, but the, he's a wonderful man, a loving man, a hardworking man. 
and I, I was raised by great parents. So, so all these years as growing up, I was a Christian. I believed in Jesus. I supported the Bible, but I never got baptized in that particular church in high school. You know, then I went off to college and I was never baptized. So always in the back of my mind, I was always watching out for buses when I crossed the highway. <laughs> Didn't want to get run over yet. So, uh, but um, that's how I was raised. And it was, um, uh, you know, kind of a scary part. It's not having total freedom in Christ if you're worried about dying. So, you know, that's the way I was for many, many, many years. Wow. So did you think joining a church was what you needed to do at some point? Well, yeah, you know, we, you know, we met at Ball State University in a folk dance class. And, um, um, you know, you, you chased me around for months and finally I decided to go out with you. No, that's, that's not true. So <laughs> I, I'm the comic relief in case nobody knows that. that <laughs> this but um, no, we, we met in folk dance class and we danced and it just, um, you know, we fell in love. But we got married in a Presbyterian church, a wonderful, beautiful church. And again, I had not been baptized and we were married for a few years and we started looking for a church. Um, and, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe, maybe uh, we should go back to the Baptist church. And you said, fine, you know, let's go attend the Baptist church. And <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, we, we found again, it was an independent Baptist church. And now again, all Baptist churches aren't like this. There, there are many great Baptist churches. I love Baptist churches. I've spoken in a lot of Baptist churches. and But this was a particular unique one. We were there the first day, and they had somebody dressed up like the devil in red <laughs> running up and down the aisles. And we all had to stand up and say, boo, devil, get out of here. <laughs> and Lynn and I kind of looked at each other and I says, I don't know if this is where we want to be. <laughs> so. So, but the, it was it was, it was kind of a interesting. It was like God was preparing us uh, for where we were going to end up um, in this, this unique way. But um, so we, you know, we kept looking, and we decided that you know we need to find a church. But we went to different churches, but nothing was really ringing, right, Lynn? Yeah, I remember churches being boring. Actually, I mean that one might have been the more exciting one, but. I remember going to churches, and I suppose because I hadn't been regenerated, I wasn't saved, um, it, they just were boring to me. I think I was looking for entertainment, maybe. And I had grown up Presbyterian. We went to church every week. I would say for me, it was a social group. It was kids to hang out with, thing, activities to do, right? Every once in a while, I got to go up at, to the pulpit and read scripture or something really important like that. Um, I used to go to the church sometimes and just pray because years ago, things were not as scary as they are now, and churches could actually keep their doors open for people to come and go if they felt like they needed to talk to God. But you're right, Mike. We tried a number of different churches, and they didn't seem like a good fit. And uh, what I remember most about them is they seemed boring to me. 
Yeah, and it's uh, not that we needed to be entertained, um, but uh, I think we indirectly was work looking for the word, and maybe the churches we were, uh, some way it was come across. It wasn't like this is back in the days, okay, when we didn't have uh, worship bands like they have now, you know. And a lot of people go to church today, you know. At least this is my opinion to be entertained. And I really want to go to church. It's it's okay to have praise music and to sing and to raise your hand and feel the spirit. But deep down, I want to be taught the word, uh, to to hear the pastor's, uh, uh, his knowledge on his studies and his uh, uh, understanding of the Bible. And, you know, some of the churches um, do that, we're doing that. But for some reason, I don't think it was registering with me at this point. Um, and we were still kind of looking. Maybe we just didn't attend enough or pray enough about it. But, you know... Um, we ended up going another direction, as we'll find out later on. Well, that that kind of brings me to an interesting point. Now we've been in lots of churches over the last 12 or 13 years or so speaking, right? And I would say the ones that are growing are the ones that just plain, simply preach the word. I, I'm thinking of one in Boise that now is two or three mega churches. And the one that we know in the Gilbert, Arizona area that started with 40 people and now has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I don't, I don't know how many now it has, but these were pastors that just stick to the word. People have a hunger for truth. Wouldn't you say? That's, that's so true because we, we were looking, and again, I was not a scriptorian, uh, and I and I read the Bible some. Um, I remember I still have on my shelf here my King James version that my mom gave me. That's dated 1963, mm. and it has my name on the outside of it. And, um, and so, so I still remember my mom teaching me. You know, reading the Bible to me when I was a young boy. Um, you know, from Psalms to to the New Testament and. You know, I, I always felt so good about that. And and so I would read the Bible, but I was, you know, not really getting a lot out of it um, at that point. Because one, King James Version is kind of hard to read um, when you don't have a good knowledge of the Bible. And, and this is before we had the other versions come out, uh, you know, back, well, I'm not sure when the NIV and those versions came out, but maybe they were coming out about that period of time. But in the early 60s, I don't recall of any. It was just King James um, uh, when, when I was a young boy. But the, um, uh, it was interesting. You know, we were searching, but we didn't know where to search. So what happened, Mike Wilder? What happened with this religious search? We were looking for a church, and then... And then, and then, I think it's all related to graduate school and being forced <laughs> to study courses that maybe I didn't really want to study. What I was doing is Lim had finished and she was teaching school and she was gone and I was trying to finish up my master's degree in accounting. And I actually had a job offer from the university where I was getting my master's to teach accounting because they didn't have that many people to teach accounting. And, um, and so I was trying to get finished, but I was working on my um, one of the course papers I had to do, my, my uh, master's thesis, uh, 
about the study of the beta coefficient uh, used in investments. And as you can see, I'm not a wealthy, wealthy person. So my theory did not work out right, but it did help me get my, my uh, uh, accounting degree. I, I was a math major at the time. So when I wrote it, I used so much math equations in it with the theory of economics and accounting and other finance area that the professor that read it really didn't know what I was talking about, but he thought it was a great paper. And so he gave me an A on it uh, and uh, always asked me, does it work? Does it work? <laughs> I said, well, I'll, I'll let you know someday when I'm on Wall Street. Okay, <laughs> so, it, it didn't work, but it, it was a good concept. Okay. So I'm working on this paper. I'm on a deadline and I've been working on it every day. And, you know, I, I just write it out by hand and then I have somebody type it up. This is where we had computers. <laughs> Everything's typewriters or by hand. And I was so bored um, one afternoon, the Mormon missionaries knocked on a door. Okay. Um, and being studying this stuff for like six hours straight, I would talk to anybody. Okay. Um, it could have been um, uh, anybody from any part of the world, <laughs> whether they could speak English or not, I would let them in to talk with them. <laughs> And so it was It was the Mormon missionaries, and um, I invited them in, and uh, we started sitting down to talk about, you know, religion. So here we are looking for a church, and these guys actually come to my house to talk to me about a church. And so I, I thought that was kind of interesting. And so I remember coming home that night and you being really excited. You're telling me this story about how these guys knocked on the door. Oh, all of a sudden, I'm like, red flags, red flags. This does not sound good, right? But you were really excited. What What do you think was, what do you think it was um, about that contact with the missionaries that got you so kind of excited about religion? Well, you know, it was it was interesting. I mean, they really weren't, that much younger than I was at that age. Um, so we connected on age and we talked about different things. And, um, you know, and I, I still remember this when I had mentioned to you that uh, the missionaries, um, you know, I let the Mormon missionaries in our house. And you said, you did what? <laughs> you let them in? I said, yeah. And, and, and we have an appointment next Thursday night. They're coming back. You did what? <laughs> so I think your flags were up and I, I didn't know anything about the Mormons. I mean, Donnie and Marie, my goodness, they're, they're nice people. Okay. <laughs> so, and that was no. one of the things that the missionaries mentioned. He says, well, you know, Donnie and Marie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like they're singing and they're, they're acting and so forth. They had the Donnie and Marie show, I think at that time on TV. And um, so we were living know. in Indiana at the time and, the, yes. and there were Amish near us. And I, I just thought of Mormons as, Amish. I just assumed they wore like long pioneer clothes and and I thought I'd heard they were polygamous. Yeah. Well that that was wrong. They were not polygamous. Okay. <laughs> at least that's what I thought at that time. And when they came in, they're so nice. Okay. Yeah. They're clean cut, you know, they're polite. Uh, mm -hmm. they have white shirts and ties. And I'm a was a little bit scrubby at that time. I 
had a beard and not super long hair, but kind of long hair and it's kind of curly and, you know, gosh, I have a beard now too. <laughs> wow. I did shave uh, uh, between the years, but, uh, but anyway, we just talked and, and what's interesting is a lot of people will ask me, you know, and, and, and I recommend this to anybody who's listening, who's not LDS, but who is talking to somebody who might be coming out of the LDS church. You don't say this. You don't say, how could you be so stupid to join the LDS church? Okay. I mean, it's a great organization when you first look at it, when you first see it. Okay. You, you see the Mitt Romneys of the world. They were so nice and clean cut and polite and have wonderful children. And, you know, I've had, I've, Believe me, I've had a lot of people that just says, I can't understand. You seem like an intelligent person. How could you join the LDS church? And then it was kind of like a slam, like you're just stupid. Well, the concept is this, and I always use this as an answer, is that I knew enough about the Bible to be dangerous. And that was a, that was a thing that um, uh, we I actually used this in accounting when I taught accounting. I used to tell my students, it says, you're going to just know enough about accounting to be dangerous. You're not an accountant. You're not a, a, a chief financial executive. You haven't worked in the field a long time. You understand terms, but you really don't know the overall effect of these terms. So in the Bible, we all know terms, okay? We've heard, you know, when the missionaries are sitting with me and then eventually you, they start talking about the Bible and how they use the Bible and how they start talking about, well, you've heard of Jesus. Oh, yes. Well, did you know how many churches churches are around here that has the name of Jesus in it? You have the Baptist church and the Methodist church and Catholicism. And I was saying, oh, my goodness, they don't have the name of Jesus. But our church officially is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he said, wow, okay. And he says, we're all about Jesus. And so they draw you in. They start talking about apostles. You know, they, they talk about how, well, you know, many years ago, God sent us apostles to guide us and direct us and to use also prophets in the Old Testament to guide and direct us. How many churches do you know that have prophets and apostles? And I said, oh, my goodness, there's none that I know of. Well, we have a prophet and we have apostles. And these, they're not paid. They, this is a payless ministry. Everybody does all this, which was not correct at the time, but that's what they told us, okay? And we, you know, you start drawing in, you start saying, well, if God had prophets in the Old Testament and he loved the people there, wouldn't he give us prophets today because he also loves us? And you start saying, yeah, that sounds logical. And if you also had apostles during the time of Jesus, says the church is built up on the foundation of apostles, you know, states that in the New Testament. Wouldn't we have apostles today? And you start thinking, well, yeah, I guess we we would, would, you know. And so they draw you in thinking of the organization and what they're doing. They're taking you back in time and even back into the Old Testament of temples and laws and ordinances about how to be truly saved. Okay. You just 
could not get saved just by, you know, believing. You had to join an organization. You had to be baptized by people of authority, and you had to be involved in that group. And so, but not just any organization, right? You had the Latter Day Saint organization, right? 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 Because in the LDS Church, you know, they state that they are the only true church upon the face of the earth. I mean, we heard that in fast and testimony meetings every month for 30 years. Well, it's okay? LDS scripture, right? It's the only true scripture. Church, church with which the Lord is well pleased. Well pleased, okay? yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, anyway, we're just, you know, looking at this and I know we're asking questions and we did ask a lot of questions. We wore out the missionaries. They had yeah. to bring in other people. They had to bring in a ward mission leader. They had wow. to bring, bring in a bishopric member. Um, I mean, and they uh, thought- 10 we, weeks. We, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, very intense uh, for a period of time that we were um, studying. And, and again, when they have you study, you know, they give you the verses they want to use. Mm -hmm. Just like a lot of churches will do today. But but these were church scriptures that tied back to their doctrine, or then they would interpret it the way they want to. Mm -hmm. So they would have you read in the Book of Mormon, and everything comes down to feelings in the LDS church. If you read that verse in the Book of Mormon, do you feel good about it? Well, yeah, you know, that's a nice verse, okay? Um, and... You know, it, but it doesn't mean it's good for you. It's like you could drink a lot of wine <laughs> and feel good about drinking a lot of wine and be quite happy and content. But it's not good for you to become a wine bibber. Okay, uh, so so it's just like everything has rules and regulations in relationship to the gospel. And they focused in on that so much that they misled you, at least misled me, into what their correct Bible doctrine was. So again, I knew enough about the Bible to interpret it, but I, but I was in danger. I was just looking at certain key words, apostles, Jesus, temples, Old Testament, you know, the law, the Ten Commandments, and so forth. And I promise you, not one of those religious words has the same meaning between LDS doctrine and biblical doctrine. Not one of them. Not angels, not salvation, not eternal life, not temples. None of those are the same. Although when I was Mormon, I would have thought they were, right? Right, right. Did not know my Bible as yeah. a Mormon before, or, you know, Mike, the other thing I remember is that the church people took us in and loved on us. So Mike did eventually finish that thesis and get his degree, yes. and he went yes. to work at the university as a full-time instructor. And in your department was the most dear LDS family, another professor, who took us under their wings, had us for dinner, and all of a sudden we we became somebody in the university community yes. and within the Mormon community. Mormons are very wonderful people. 
Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I have nothing to, bad to say about the people themselves. And, and many of the leaders are, are good, good people. I worked with wonderful men and women in the LDS church for 30 years. Um, but just like I was at that time, many people are just misguided. Okay. And, and what happens is that the terminology, what you, you, you mentioned when, when I was thinking about Jesus, I was thinking of this Jesus, but in the LDS, they really think of another Jesus. Okay. Um, or if you're talking about rules and regulations and laws and ordinances in Christianity, as you, you stated, all these words have different meanings and you can really go off. I mean, just the name of God, the nature of God is a totally different description deep down. And when you look at Mormon doctrine compared to Christianity. So we just uh, have um, a couple more minutes. Why don't you tie this up by telling us what you had to do to join the Mormon church? Oh, okay. Well, that, this could take a whole nother episode. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we did, we did join after we did about join. 10 yes, weeks. Yeah. So we after were baptized Mormon. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So after 10 weeks of, 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 you know, studying and prayer and, you know, and it comes back to feeling, see, if it feels good, it must be true. And mm -hmm. so um, I, I did have a dream and this dream was some reason that I was defending the Mormon people. Mm. And I was, I kind of took that as a reason to join the LDS church. I think what I, now I look at that dream in defending the Mormon people and defending them that, you know, I now want to tell them the truth. So, I want to defend the people by giving them the good news of the gospel, not Mormon doctrine. And there's a big difference. And so maybe God brought us in to bring us out. I don't know. But, you know, when you were with people for 30 years, you come to love them. And I have no anger or hate against anybody in the LDS church. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it's their doctrine that is now a problem because as a born-again Christian, I see it. It's just like day and night. I can read the Book of Mormon. I can read Doctrine and Covenants, and I see all kinds of problems. And that's a perfect place to stop. Grace and peace to you, Mike. We will talk about this again and hear the rest of your story next week. Thank you. Thank you, and God bless.